Hello and welcome to the Say What Is Truth podcast with me, your host, Joni Haas. Say What Is Truth is my opportunity to speak with everyday extraordinary people about life's defining moments. Well, we've had a little bit of a change of plans in our lives. Don't you think that COVID-19, as we've tried to have life be as normal as possible and move through our regular spaces has felt like a game of Minesweeper. Do you remember that game that everybody played in the 2000s because it was one of the only games you could get on your computer where you would click an unknown square and hope that you didn't step on a bomb? I feel like that's what life has been like with COVID-19 as we move through life. We're just taking each new step and hoping that a bomb doesn't drop. Well, a bomb dropped on my family for as cautious as we tried to be, and I feel like we tried to be pretty cautious. A member of my family has tested positive for COVID-19, and as this interview is the last in my banked interviews, uh, I won't be able to record a new one for a while. This may end up being a natural stopping point for this season. Uh, Maybe you'll get a bonus after this. I don't know. All of this is happening in real time. I'm dealing with it all right now. We've found out today that this person in my family has tested positive. So I don't know what that means for me. I don't know if I will become ill. It's really just a crapshoot at this point. So tentatively planned that this episode, episode 38, will be the final episode of the first season of Say What Is Truth. Man, it was a good run. Look how long I made it. Woohoo! Uh, so just wanted to let you know that. And we're in good spirits. My family member that has it is not suffering terribly. So we will just keep playing this thing by ear. My guest today is Patricia. She is someone, again, who was introduced to me by my niece, Malena. She has brought me some of the best interviews this season. She knows some of the coolest people. Uh, As soon as Patricia walked through my door, she had this vibrant, beautiful energy, and I felt really connected to her right away. We sort of vibed. Um, I, I wanted to adopt her and hug her all at once. I'm really glad that she was able to come and do this. I feel like she provides a pretty unique perspective as far as people I've already had on the show. Um, She offers some really new ideas and offers a lot of food for thought. I'm going to extend a warning right now that this episode gets more sexually explicit than any episode I've had to date. Uh, It is not really going to be an episode that's appropriate to listen to with children. We speak in generalities. We're not getting grossly explicit, but we do acknowledge some things that um, maybe not everybody is old enough to hear about. (laughs) So uh, open your mind, expand your views, listening to this really frank discussion. I really have to appreciate how much courage it can often take to get on a public forum And then be really honest about some of your innermost thoughts. So many of my guests have jumped the hurdle of fear and done that. And then I've had so many responses 
telling me how grateful people are to hear those intimate experiences because it really helps us to not feel alone when people are willing to talk about those quote-unquote taboo things. Patricia is a lovely, lovely young woman. She's single. You're going to find that she's very infectious. Maybe I shouldn't say the word infectious given the circumstances, but she's really endearing. So without further ado, here's Patricia. I don't because I don't know your background at all. I'm just like give all the all the whatever. But it's really fun for me when I don't know the person okay. at all because <laughs> then I can just like mm-hmm. ask whatever. But that does mean that I don't know what to ask. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if there's something really cool or important, you'll have to bring it up. Okay. 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 So, that sounds good. So give me a little bit of background about you, just mm. um, like the basics, if you're introducing yourself to somebody. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Patricia. Oh, I'm 27. I'm going to turn 28. I am back in school after all the school that I've done. Um, <laughs> I was born in Panama, um, moved here when I was eight. So Utah at this point is a second home, but I have... People ask me questions about Utah, and I have like a like a perspective, like a third person, but it's like still home. So I'm like I'm protective of it, but at the same time, like I can, I understand where people are coming from. Yeah, um, I'm not LDS, but it doesn't mean like I I've been listening to your podcast, so I understand one way or another it always comes up. But I yes. think it's important. <laughs> I think it's important to come up. It's in your so podcast. strong culturally mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. that it's almost hard to not at least acknowledge if you're if you are or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. And I, I actually really like your podcast because I feel like you're the only podcast. Maybe maybe I haven't explored it. Sure. True. But like I feel like you are very open and welcoming to like non LDS or LDS, you know? Sure. And so I think it's a, a I think it's awesome what you're doing too. Oh, well, thank yeah, you. I thank really you. do. I think you I in fact I told my coworker about your podcast and she listened to one and she's like I related to that the entire way. Oh, good, you know? good, so, good. That's yeah. so good to hear. Yeah, so. Yeah, my philosophy is that everybody has a story and, um, you know, we're all part of one big family. And so it doesn't, you know, belief systems are kind of secondary to me as far as that goes. But, um, okay, so you've lived in Utah, like, your whole life. Yes. <laughs> mostly, yeah, mostly. at this point, yeah. Do you have uh, a lot of family still in Panama? Yeah, all of my mom's side, and then my dad's side is all California, Hawaii. That's why I look okay. poly. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we only have one family member here in Utah. and Actually, no, just one, because he's going back and forth now. So, yeah, that's... That's really and sums it you're up. single, married. Oh, I'm single. Oh. <laughs> I literally like my heart crushed when one of what, what I forgot her name, but I think she was redhead. Oh um, yeah, and, yeah uh-huh. and she was like, Robin. and I yeah, yeah, she was like, and I mourn about the fact that I've had kids, and I was like, oh, <laughs> my heart just like exploded with like tears. So oh, yeah, so so do you long to be in a relationship? Is that something you I want? Do. Oh, and also, I am so open to you giving me advice. I know okay. you're you're like all about. I, I get it. You like listen, and you just put like you, you like make the conversation flow. But please, girl, just. <laughs> 
You got some advice? Well, I don't know Talk if I'm really the best one for advice, but okay, okay. <laughs> don't like, don't ever mind. Like, I, I, I am very like open to um, advices in any way, shape, well, or form. Well, my heart is is so. I feel so much um, empathy for people who are in the dating scene because, as I've stated in past podcasts, I feel really lucky that I don't have to be dating in today's world because. <sighs> It seems like a crap show. Like, it seems like a really um, tricky and, like, the whole internet dating thing to Mm -hmm, me seems mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. a a swamp to be waded through. It's horrendous. Do you do? Like, if I told you this, like, I will, I, okay, here's one thing about me. I don't know what TMI is. (laughs) So you need to tell me. me. (laughs) So this is going to be great. So you like feel like you just like I'll I'll ask you and I'll look at you and be like is this okay <laughs> like um, also uh, I I don't feel like anyone really talks about like I I know that this is like private for some people I don't know about like how how do you feel about like sex like sexuality no and, yeah like, talk open, about it okay yeah, yeah. yeah I definitely don't want to like step on people's like feet aren't on that well right. so. So anyone who listens to this show mm-hmm. pretty much understands that my philosophy is you come as you are. You come with all of your identity and truth. I'm not here to tell you how you should or shouldn't be. And everybody, I, I just want to know about you. That's really all. I just want to know about you. Okay. So whatever your sexuality happens to be or, you know, the, the way that you identify, I'm all good with. So. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm sorry. I probably, like, said that wrong. So I'm... Like I'm straight. I'm talking about like uh, one night stands. Oh like, sure, yeah, no. all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like I don't yeah. know if that's okay or yeah, not. Yeah, okay. About it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like that's. I don't. What 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 is the term? So would that be like LGBTQ and this like I don't know how what the terms would be on that. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I guess um, just sexual practices. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well said. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You you. There's no judgment here. And I have a very wonderful audience, so no judgment from them either. Okay. So. Okay, awesome. Um, so, yeah, tell me about dating. Tell me what that's like for you. Oh, gosh. So, oh, all right. So, <laughs> so already, okay, I'm just going to be, like, super honest. So, yeah, do. you see, I am, I'm tall. Yeah. <laughs> I'm brown. Yeah. And I'm a loud person. And lovely. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Um. It's, it's, okay, growing up in Utah, um, I think, in my view, I always kind of got judged as the ugly girl. Mm. Um, ideally, most people uh, prefer, like, lighter skin, light eyes, you know, straight hair, um, a certain type of body, you know? So, for me, growing up, it was always difficult because i you know kids are mean yeah kids are mean (laughs) oh my gosh kids are so mean they would just say like comments like oh your poop skin oh Oh, how dark your legs look or your hair you would look so much prettier if you had straight hair you know Mm. or you would be so much pretty if you were skinny girl even if i was my my skinniest was 160 pounds and i had bones sticking out everywhere and i'm still nowhere as near as petite as a lot of you know sure women that you see here and eh, it's so okay that being said so I grew up with low self-esteem I was still loud yeah and I still defended myself just because I have low self-esteem doesn't mean I, I'm not like a, a person you know yeah but, yeah um it's not like you were quavering in some yeah no, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um it actually took me a long time to love myself 
and it's so difficult for me to say this, and it's embarrassing. It, it's embarrassing to me. Um, but it wasn't until I was like in college and I met my first boyfriend who happened to be Tongan. Mm-hmm. And he made me feel so beautiful, right? And then I go ups and downs. Even as, even now, I still have up and downs. But when I went to Cuba with Milena, we had like a little girls' night and we were around the table um, with her and her friends. And oh, they're my friends now. I'm not saying they're sure, not. Sure, sure. Um, and I remember she was like, okay, we, let's, like, I think it was her, either her or it was Danielle. And they were like, let's talk about one good thing about ourselves. And I was like, oh. Like, you know, I was, I was so quiet. I was like, mm, you know, because it was so hard for me to even go there still. And everybody was going in a circle talking, but I could just tell Milena was staring at me <laughs> the entire time, just staring at me. And she was like, I think it's Patricia's turn. And I was like, oh, I was just you know, going to point, and she was like, Patricia, since the entire time I've ever met you, you've never said anything pretty about yourself, ever. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so she kind of, actually Cuba, when we went with the girls, I, I was a very reflection, like, I'm 27 now, turning 28. It took me, like, now to 27 to understand that everyone's beautiful, you know, and I will find my guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still aching over this. I'm sorry. Oh, man. But, um, so that being said, uh, so after Cuba and after some... Wait, so what did you say when it got to you? I didn't. Uh-huh. I, told, I told him exactly what I'm telling you. I see. I, am, I still struggle with seeing myself beautiful. And it's, I don't know why. I really don't know why. That um, is really amazing because, uh, you know, first of all, the fact that you, if, if you're feeling like at almost 28, you can genuinely say that you have found self-love, then I'm going to say you beat me because I had almost pure self-loathing for myself until I was about 35, went through like a huge major reconstruction. Uh, I'm definitely the most, if we're talking about like what the world calls attractive, most unattractive of my life, mostly because I'm just older now and, (laughs) and like myself a hundred times better than I ever have. Hmm. So like, and, and I don't mean this to sound pandering at all, Mm -hmm. but people can't see you. I I find that you physically are very striking and incredibly oh. attractive. So oh I God. think it's very very weird that you, you would that you would think that. And I'm not just I mean I don't have to say that. Mm-hmm. I that's why I'm I think it's like kind of odd. And it just goes to show that regardless of the way we perceive other people, mm-hmm. they are never perceiving themselves that same way. It's right. so true. Like mm-hmm. I, I've said this before. I start like I feel like I'm starting to repeat myself in all my podcasts now. But but um, as my children grow up, I try to help them recognize that if you were to find the the most rich, successful, attractive person in the world, they are still going to have insecurities about themselves. And so it's really not about attaining a thing before you can believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of figuring out how to just love yourself the way you are yeah. and things get a lot easier. So anyway, uh, so yes, you're, you're going to school, you're single. Do you, uh, live on your own? Do you have roommates? I live with my parents oh, good. and I've never had any desire to leave. I don't know why. I then just, that means they're good parents. I mean, they drive me nuts. <laughs> That's a lie. Like, absolutely. Like they drive me nuts. I don't know what it is. Like, 
I remember in high school, I told myself, I'm gonna leave home. Like, every, you know, every kid's like, oh yeah, let's leave, you know? And like, when the time came, I I was like, oh, I'll just go Weaver. I, I got a small little scholarship. I'll still stay at home, it's fine. And then after Weaver, I was like, okay, well, uh, I, I'm gonna, so, okay, so I should probably tell you, so. <laughs> Melinda likes to joke around that, oh, you're just gonna get all the degrees in the world, okay? <laughs> I just, I'm unsatisfied until I'm satisfied with what I got. So you're the eternal student. <laughs> yeah, I'm a professional student at this point. So when I went to Weber, I uh, I graduated, but I graduated with a low GPA. So I knew there was no way, like I wanted to be a doctor, but girl, I don't have the brains. I don't have that grit and focus, you know, to, to get a 4.0 and do this and da, 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 da. So I was like, okay, well, I graduated with a zoology degree. So why not try the workforce? And so that's where I met Helena. She was my boss in Sequest. Mm, mm-hmm. And so after I left Sequest, I worked at the labs. And I'm still at AUP Lab now, at AUP Laboratories. And um, during that time, I was like, you know, I, I feel like I need to. Because all of my friends. Are like, you working as a, like a phlebotomist? Or no. Are you doing... I'm, a te- I'm a tech one. So oh, okay. I'm in the mycology department. Got it. Yeah. So um uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, okay. So that being said, um, I am working and I was like, oh my gosh, all my friends, like I have a, a best friend who's a doctor. I have another friend who's a PA. I have another friend who's like high up in the military. Like, you know how they say the saying, like you are who you surround yourself with. You sure. know, I felt like I was like, oh, and then like I meet Milena and like Milena does like all these amazing things. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and so I'm just like, oh, like, I, I feel like I need to do something. So I got convinced by a professor. Not convinced. Like, I, I genuinely did want this. Um, I got my master's in education. And it's a um, social justice, like, lens type of education. And I really loved it. Very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but I did love it. I graduated. And I felt so sad. I was, and I, I didn't recognize it till, like, this is kind of like what I've, like, figured out a month ago. I recognized that I was so sad because I knew after I graduated, I really didn't want to be an educator. I want to teach, but not now. Maybe later. I realized that every time I go to a hospital, I get, like, this pain in my heart. Every time I would do anything else. Like, it's, it's so bizarre because I feel like people would talk about this, like, in a breakup. Like, I felt that I just didn't pursue what I wanted to. I wasn't persistent enough. And so when I was in Cuba, I know I keep mentioning this because literally I think it was... How long ago did you guys go to Cuba? How long? That was last year, October. Okay. Yeah. And I honestly, I, I think I really needed it. I don't know about the other girls, but women, sorry. But for me, it was um, kind of eye-opening and I think the reason why is because of the group of people that I was with which is so bizarre because you know I'm not LDS and I remember were the rest of them LDS oh yeah they oh, were okay. all LDS. Okay, and okay. I was nervous about that I remember telling Melena hey <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you guys like feel about like I, I just she was like no it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine don't worry don't worry don't worry so and it ended up being fine um some hiccups here or there but other than that um <laughs> Uh, they were very, like, just very positive, you know? And I think I just needed that reaffirmation. 
like that over and over telling me like no like you got this and you're beautiful like i just i think i needed that like strong set of women mm -hmm. around me and when i had that i came home with fire like literally fire i know i already graduated with my master's but i was like i'm going back to school to get my gpa higher so that's where i'm back in school <laughs> it's so depressing <laughs> so are you like starting over um not necessarily over just like all my chemistry classes <laughs> so can you retroactively take your degree and like fill in classes just to boost your gpa or do you have to just start building from scratch i think it just boosts it up okay but in reality let's like the amount of credits that i have is ridiculous <laughs> by the way because i was like oh not only that i was that student that took like six years to graduate okay so um it's to the point where all i'm doing the gpa is only going to get bumped up a little bit all i'm doing is for them whoever is looking at my transcript to see that i took a year and a half worth of classes and they see the a's yeah if that's even enough because sure. pa is very competitive. Is that your goal? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't mention that? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared of Brandon, sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no. Like, seeing my all my professors again, they're like, why are you here? <laughs> yeah. I asked myself that too. <laughs> but do you still feel like you're on the right path? Like, you feel good about your path? I do. Uh, I struggle with studying, but sure. I... I definitely do feel better. I feel like my self-esteem, like seeing my grades, like seeing like B and then A and then B, like that's like the best. And I got, oh my gosh, oops, sorry. I got my first letter of honor society. Like I was like, what is this? I don't know why I was so bad at school back hmm. when I was younger. I, I don't. I don't know what it was. I don't know if I just couldn't like focus. I don't know if it was just I. I really couldn't tell you. And I that's something I know I'm gonna have to uh, respond to. Like if I even get an interview, they're gonna ask, well, what happened? Like I'm, I'm telling you, they're pretty bad. Like it was like I had to retake classes three times. It was chemistry. I yeah. just oh something about chemistry. No, I yeah I know. Oh gosh. I so I'm an English lit major, mm -hmm. and uh, I chose that because it was one of the few things I could envision myself completing mm. and required the least amount of math <laughs> because my brain does not think in math. Like it's, it, uh, my, <laughs> I got a pretty decent like ACT score, oh, nice. but you know, as, as my daughter is a senior in high school and as I looked at her ACT score, mm -hmm. she was so consistent. Like mm. she was within three points on all four of the sections. And on mine, there was like a 13 point <laughs> difference because I scored incredibly high in the English and reading. Uh -huh. And then my math score was just like wow. crap. And then science was like in the middle. Mm -hmm. So I totally understand, you know, having those, th th that one subject that you're just like, oh, why don't you go into my brain? It's so it's hard. It's terrible. <laughs> and I like despise going to work. Cause they all know that I'm going back to school and they're like, Oh, what class are you taking? I'm like chemistry. They're like, Oh, that was so easy. And I was like, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk to me. But I find it really interesting that you mentioned earlier that you felt like you didn't have the grit. You used specifically that you felt like you didn't have the grit. I don't know anyone who has had this kind of determination to say, 
no, this is my goal, and I will take this class as many times as it takes to get there. Oh, That's grit. Thank right? you. Right? I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> that fire that you talk about, I think, is something that a lot of people are incredibly... I don't know the right word, envious of, because sometimes you want to have a fire, but Mm -hmm. you can't make yourself have a fire. Yeah. So like you're three steps ahead already. Just the fact that you feel so driven. That's, that's my, that's my take. (laughs) So I'm, I'm really proud of you. Way to go. (laughs) I'm, I'm hoping this is I'm hoping this is, I know, okay, so I've been listening to a lot of self-help books and podcasts and everything, and so I know that they, so right now, this is like the vein of my existence right now, because my brother and my sister are ticked off at me for spending money on this. I just feel like I need this right now, especially right now, because I have a lot of drama at work, and I have reflected that it's me, so. (laughs) Wait. You're saying you think you're the drama? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And we can definitely <laughs> dive into this if you want to. Because this is like literally right now, like it's still steaming. Like it's still steaming. But you're I, in the middle of it right now. Yeah. Oh, right yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. And um, so I got, um, I think it's a life coach. Okay. And um, right now we do like bi-weekly sessions and she makes me do like workbooks and we talk about like how I feel and then dissect it and then like pinpoint why I do the things I do. And it's been really helpful for me. It's only been week one. So it's only a month. It's a month series. Mm-hmm. Um, God, those are expensive. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hoping it's going to help me figure out. Um, oh, this is how we got to this point. Um, they, she says that there really is no end goal. Once we reach the top. Like, am I going to be the type, like, oh, no, I want something else? Or, like, you know what I mean? So I'm hoping that this is going to make me happy mm-hmm. in what I want to do in my future. So Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so, I, I mean, I, I do want to talk about why you think you are the cause of drama. Yes. You don't have to um, implicate anybody in anything, <laughs> but I'm curious what you mean by that. Yeah, I can definitely tell you. It's been my entire life. Like... Now I'm starting to realize maybe it is me. So you're like, why am I always in the center of all this drama? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. It's so annoying. And I thought I was doing the right thing. And I'm not. And it's so frustrating. So, okay. So I should probably say that in every job I've ever been, I've always had a problem with a coworker. Always. To the point where I have to like pull them aside and have a face. Because I don't have a problem confronting people. I love confronting people. That's a, that might be a problem. <laughs> That could be a problem too. <laughs> and and it seems like every time I'm in a relationship or starting something, it, it just it always falls apart. So if we focus on the drama, I think um I always try to be everyone's friend. So here's my biggest number one that I'm trying to break. I'm a people pleaser. One hundred percent. It's terrible. And at first when people, I only had one person tell me. And that's because we were getting into an argument. And so she was like, you're just a people pleaser. And I was like, no, ish, walk away from me, please. (laughs) And at the time, I really believed that. I really thought I wasn't a people pleaser. Now, fast forward now, um, at work, I I feel because I was being everyone's friend. um, Because I love making people laugh. Mm -hmm. I love making people feel 
un like not like uncomfortable. Like if they tell me a secret, I will always make you feel better. The only time, the one time I had, was having a really hard time, not like 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 completely just freezing and like having like like a horror phase was when one coworker told me he wanted to shoot his dog. And I was like, bro, no, like walk away from me because I love animals, you know? So that was the one time where I was like, I, I cannot talk to you. Um, so that being said, because so many people come and tell me their secrets and there's a lot of, uh, I'm trying not to swear, ish talking. Between yeah. <laughs> you can swear if you want to, it's okay. I, I, there's a lot of talking yeah, between yeah. everyone and yeah. so I was finding out a, like a lot of things from people and um sometimes I say it back to other people like oh yeah like she told like she told me this but I don't think like I tried to like soften it but it never like when anyone hears someone talk bad about them you get defensive sure and I was the cause of that mm-hmm. um so this last drama uh I completely had a fallout with a friend well, ex-friend at this point. But be, uh, in my defense, <laughs> me and her already had other issues. And okay. so this one, this is for the first time in my entire adult life, I completely shut off a friendship. Like, we're done. Don't talk to me again. And and it's not because I'm mean or her's mean. Like, I genuinely feel like we were both toxic to each other. Mm. Like, we always, there, there was just never a middle ground I, I even tried fixing it because I told you I'm a people pleaser. Um, I even tried like fixing it by giving a letter and a flower and explaining my situation and being like, look, um, I just, uh, we, I need space. Um, you and I, we snip at each other all the time. And I think it's just like we need space. And it did work. And I will say in the end, this person did try uh, to reconnect with me. But, but then the whole, she found out that I was keeping someone else's secret about her Mm. and then that made her furious and she was like we're not good friends for each other and i was like yeah yeah." at that point when she was telling me this i just felt very numb Mm. and i was like yeah let's end it i i i do believe in making people smile and i do believe in having friends but i also this is the first time where i'm going to say sometimes you just have to let some people go Yeah, yeah yeah that's really interesting that you would bring that up because um, today my family was having a discussion together and we were talking about how it's so important to not let our differences um, drive wedges between us and that when people upset us, we should not be the ones who are just being like, I don't agree with you, so you're gone. But then also trying to find that fine line between not staying in toxic relationships yeah. because I think particularly within uh, within LDS culture but but even bigger culture as a whole mm-hmm. there's this idea of I don't want to hurt feelings mm-hmm. I need to always forgive mm-hmm. always be kind always mm-hmm. but you know I've had to talk to my kids sometimes and be like if you find that you're being called upon to forgive the same person over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm. maybe that person isn't good to be in your inner circle. Yeah. You know? And and so it it is really tricky to be like, oh, gee, um, I, I want to be kind. Mm-hmm. I don't want to cause bad feelings. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like this person is 
hurting me repeatedly. And it's okay to create boundaries. And I think it's really mature for you to say, I think I'm a toxic person to this other person. Mm -hmm. Because uh, what I feel like our tendency is, is to always look for the way the other person is toxic to us. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, obviously for... If we're going to have toxic relationships, sometimes it's going to be our fault. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So that's really mature, though, to say, like, you know, maybe our chemistry is just not compatible. Yeah. No hard feelings. Agreed. Mm -hmm. But let's maybe, mm, let's maybe just create some distance and see if that creates peace for us. Yeah. I mean, if anyone's listening to, like, this story, if you're going to take anything out of it, stop it before it gets to the point where it got to mine it ended up being explosive i was hoping i knew a long time ago our friendship had end Mm. but because i was being stubborn and i was like no i can make it work it just blew up it just blew up and and now it's like it's very uncomfortable at work but you know you gotta be adults yeah yeah (laughs) you gotta go to work you know (laughs) and so if anyone 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 listening if you feel like any if you if you're not comfortable with this person and you're forcing yourself to hang out with them because literally her and I like I always describe this to everyone who would be willing to listen because I was I was to the point where I was just like yelling at anyone that would be willing to listen like literally this person would stab me twist the knife and then pull it out and then pet my hair and that's when I would forget because mm. I don't hold grudges I try not to because yeah. I feel like I live life happier if I am not angry all the time and so I would forget, and then she'd stab me again, and then pull out the knife, and I'd forget. And it was like for like a toxic, almost two-year thing. Oh, just like the, talking about it makes me exhausted. But. <laughs> so wait, is this someone that you still have to associate with yes. regularly? Yeah. So, so this is something that I have found in my life, and I don't have the answer. I wish that I had some magical answer. But sometimes we are called upon to interact with people, whether they be family members or coworkers or people that we really don't have a choice Mm -hmm. to just cut out completely out of our lives. And I know people who do make that choice and say, I'm sorry that you're my dad, but you're toxic to me and you're gone. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't, I don't know that I could do that. Yeah. I feel like in in those situations, I'm like, yeah, maybe you're my dad. I'm saying this out of, I'm not thinking about <laughs> anyone specific right. about this particular uh, relationship, but but there it, it affects more than just, you know, if there's someone in my family that I say, you're toxic and I'm not going to associate with you, then I'm also affecting my husband and children. Right. And if they associate with a family member right. or whatever, and I feel like I don't have the right to do that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you hate people you work with. Yeah. And you just have to. So yeah. I, I, I don't have the answer to how to do that well besides just like grin and bear it and try to be <laughs> we can't even grin patient. at this point i know <laughs> i'm gonna be honest with you <laughs> just bear it <laughs> at this point we're just bearing through it like walk and pretend that we don't even see each other that's, that's how ugly it is right now oh. but but it's interesting that you brought that up about family because that that's hard yeah i don't think i could ever do it with family i think i would just take it right even if it was toxic because as you can see like i live with my family still it's like so instilled and engraved like 
Okay, so I'm Latina and I'm Polly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in Latin culture, I don't know. I, I, do you know many Latin families? And I stuff? know a few, yeah. Majority of them, not all. They still live with each other. Like yeah. in Panama, my, my my mom's well, my grandma's you know um, house. Um, like there is five families that live in one house. Right. That is just how it is. Like you just stay with family and I feel like Polynesians do the same mm-hmm. um, they just stay in one home like like stay close to like family until until you have a significant other then you move out like that's like a big thing or well, yeah. he, here not in Panama too much but um, so for me like when you tell me about like oh, toxic relationships with family I don't know what I would do right I don't know if there's anyone out there who knows what you do <laughs> Because I think that that is something that a lot of people face. A lot of people, probably everybody Mm -hmm. has a relationship in their life that they're like, if it were my choice, Mm -hmm. I'd probably just cut you out, but I don't really have the choice. And um, I've been been following a lot of, oh, I haven't even been following them. Instagram (laughs) has been suggesting to me a lot of posts uh, about... Boundaries. I'm like, what do you know about me, Instagram? Why are you telling me this? (laughs) I was listening to you. (laughs) But um, there have been a lot of therapists making posts about like, you know, there are there are lots of therapists out there. Like, if someone's toxic, you cut them out. Mm -hmm. The end. Mm -hmm. I don't know how. I don't know how to do that. And and I know people who have done that. Mm -hmm. And sure, they're happy. But it's created huge rifts that ripple out. To right. many, many other people. Yep, yep. And so I don't really know. That's that's one of those messy parts of life that I don't yeah. know. I don't know what you yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. And it's so cute that you said messy because that's the program that I'm in. It's called Messy Path. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Myself, like my coach or whatever. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't even know. And it's not to say that I have a hard problem. Like, I don't. I'm, I feel fortunate. I really do. I have such awesome family. Like, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine my life without my family. Like, I am proud of my siblings and I'm proud of my parents and everything they've accomplished and worked so hard so we can have, you know? And so, I feel, I honestly, I get so heartbroken for any of my friends that I've, like, talked to and they don't have, like, a strong relationship with their family because, like, I, I cannot relate. It's, I don't know. It's hard. And I know with like the LDS religion, I know like family is also very important, right, you know? Right. So, so I'm sh- I'm sure you feel the same way with me like it's hard. I don't I don't I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, I do think that there are different cultural influences that create different attitudes toward those bonds. Mm-hmm. You know, um there's a <laughs> there's a this is dumb that I'm bringing this up, but there's an LDS movie about mm-hmm. people on their mission, uh-huh. and they're um, it's called The Best Two Years, and and they these two missionaries they go to a guy and they say, "We'd like to teach you about this plan where you can be with your family forever." Mm-hmm. And the guy looks over at his family and he's like, "I don't want that." Oh, you know, like <laughs> like that sounds awful to me, you know, basically, mm-hmm. and um, and I've. I've wondered, you know, yes, in LDS culture, family is super important, Mm -hmm. but also um, I don't know a lot of people who feel that same way 
that you do where it's like, I want to live with my family. Mm -hmm. I want to spend all that time with my family. And I, you know, my personal situation is I grew up in a family where the whole goal was to find someone and move away. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the goal. Mm -hmm. I mean, where we love each other, Yeah. but I have siblings. My oldest sibling and I are 19 years apart. Whoa. And I know. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, like I can probably... I've probably seen her an average of less than once per year oh, my whole life. Wow. And and so it's not that same, like, mm-hmm. we have to be together and family is mm-hmm. everything all the time mm-hmm. kind of a thing. So I think that there is definitely, like, a, a cultural influence there. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, my mom wants us to leave when we have, like, a significant other, you sure. know? Um, Do you feel any pressure before you have a significant other? Or are they like, no, stay, we love you. Um, Oh, gosh, I feel both. Yeah. My mom and dad, oh, my God, they want grandchildren so bad. Are you the oldest? I am. Okay. I'm the eldest, and they want grandchildren. and But they also don't want me to marry garbage. <laughs> right. No one's garbage, excuse me. No human being is garbage. Well. <laughs> I'll take that back. I understand what you're saying. It's okay. <laughs> But, like, they they don't want me. I think some human beings choose garbage. I, okay, there you go. I like that. So. <laughs> and that's like, I'm afraid of that. I'm mm-hmm. afraid of mm-hmm. doing that. But uh, they, my my mom, and, like, my mom has the hardest time letting go, I think. My dad is like, you guys go and do you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, I don't know. It's hard. Because I know I can move out. Like, me and my siblings, we can move out if we want. But, right. like, at the end of the day... I'll have an apartment. Are your siblings adults as well? Yeah, we're yeah. all adults. Okay. So okay. my youngest one is 23. Okay. And I, my brother and my sister, they both earn a really great income. I'm the one that has the lowest income, and I'm still a student. It's really sad. Okay. <laughs> my, my brother it's not sad. Th- it's just a different path. Oh, thank you. Like It's like frustrating. I, I don't like to compare myself to my siblings because I'm super proud of them. But um, So they're like super successful. My sister finished her uh, master's. My brother's about to finish his too. And you uh, also have a master's degree. I just want to remind you of that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's like, I just, it, it's funny. Like, they're just so, I don't know. They, their brains are just so much more focused than mine, I think. And um, they have really good income. And every time, like, we talk about, like, the mistake child, that's me. <laughs> And my brother's sister's like, yeah, all the mistakes you did, we learned from that. We didn't have to go through it. So I literally, like, everything. So you're performing a service. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, yeah, I don't know. The, the idea of living on my own, I think when if I have a significant other, yeah. yeah. Totally different dynamic, and I want that, you know. But Have you ever lived with someone in the past? I, I was a ranger at Grand Tetons for three months, and I hated all my roommates i mean we're friends i just don't think it's uh i i don't like to share my space but you've never moved in like with a significant other no no i've always i still sleep in the same bedroom that i was going to elementary school (laughs) that's how sad this is yes everybody i'm almost 28 still living in the same bedroom okay but that means that you have security okay (laughs) i'm finding your silver linings for you (laughs) thank you it means you have stability in your life. <laughs> it truly really is. <laughs> but just like the idea of like being alone in a house, A, freaks me out because I'm a wimp. Um, B, 
feels so lonely. Like I'm used to like by the end of the day, even if I'm doing homework or whatever, like we'll all finish doing whatever we're doing and we'll like watch TV at the end of the day together. Yeah. You know, and it's like so fulfilling to have that. And so I just, I'm not a creature to be alone. Maybe for a short time, not a long term. So. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So I have a question for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what pushed you to do this? What was the final grit that really made you? I, I, as I'm listening to all this, I'm thinking, okay, so a, so you're a type of leader. I'm, I'm just gonna say that. Okay. Yeah, okay. you're a type of leader because um, you're bringing in all these voices, and uh, like I said, you're willing to listen to differences from you. You know, um, you're willing to um, put beautiful messages at the end. I know you've talked about um, your own struggles mm -hmm. with. Um, depression and anxiety and stuff and like even with this like even me talking to you about this it could be like I could be putting some energy into you that's like like the drama part that's some that's some downer and so mm. I'm trying to lift it up you know to like you know and so like what really pushed you to want to do this um so <sighs> I think it's really interesting that you would pick the word leader to describe me because I have always felt like I've always had a drive inside me that feels like I want to say something mm -hmm. and I've been spending my whole life trying to figure out what that is and, mm -hmm. and how to say it. Mm -hmm. um, for a long time I thought that being a writer was going to be my outlet but writing is such a lonely endeavor. Mm -hmm. It's just and it's it's pretty brutal mm -hmm. really. Every time anything you ever read like if you're reading a book the, the pain of the process that has gone into that book is extraordinary, whether it be, you know, fiction, nonfiction, whatever it is. Creating something that gets published is an insane amount of work. And, um, and I mean, I, I, I've published a few little things, but I, I kind of feel like that it just, it never felt like that was my path mm -hmm. and then um i had something that felt like my path and i went after it okay. and i failed oh um and so here i was i was 40 years old mm -hmm. and wait the hell i had yeah i'm 41 i'm 41 <sighs> No um, way! You look so good. So nice. No, you don't even know because I'm thinking about doing some Botox like uh, next month, and oh you don't even have any makeup. Do not, please, <laughs> do not put Botox in your lovely face. Don't, don't. It's so perfect. Okay, that's my opinion. You can put Botox in your face if that's what you want. <laughs> um, but because I had worked so hard toward this thing that I had hoped was gonna happen and then it didn't happen, mm -hmm. I felt this huge void mm -hmm. in my life. So I'm sitting around with a bunch of my writer friends mm -hmm. and I'm like, you guys, I'm 40, what is the Aww. point of my life? And, um, and they're saying like, well, what are you good at? I'm thinking, do I need a career? Mm -hmm. Should I do this? And, and my lovely friends, they were so cute. Mm -hmm. They're like, you should, what about this? Do you want to be a teacher? I know how to help you be a teacher. Mm -hmm. What about this? Do you want to do this? I know I have a path. They're, they're presenting all these real life solutions mm -hmm. for me. Like we'll break down all the barriers right now. And I was, and everything they said, I'm like, uh, <laughs> you're like cute. But I mean, no. like, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> you know. So then I felt like, Ugh. then I felt like, you know, Veruca Salt or something with all these choices in front of me going, 
no, <laughs> no, no. But I felt like none of them were calling to me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, later in the conversation, we're having just a regular conversation. I tell them this big, meaningful story that had happened to me. Mm-hmm. And one of them says, you should do that. And I was like, what are you talking <laughs> I should tell people stories? That's what I should do? And they're like, yes. I'm like, I don't. So I just call businesses and be like, hey, want me to tell <laughs> I could get on stage and tell some stories if you like, you know. Like, uh-huh. And somebody said, you should start a podcast. I said, I don't, I'm not an expert in anything. I, uh-huh. I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have some podcast experience. Okay. I'd kind of been on another podcast. And okay. I just, I kept, as I thought about it, I was like, I don't even know what I would talk about. What mm-hmm. would I even do? Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know, just one day I, cause I listened to a ton of podcasts mm-hmm. and I realized that all the interview podcasts that I listen to are with celebrities and experts. Yes. And I, and then I had a really in-depth conversation with a friend and thought to myself, that was such a cool conversation. I kind of wish somebody else could have been in on that. Yeah. And then I just thought, what if, what if I just do that? What if I just talk to people about themselves, just regular people? Because the more people I meet and talk to, Mm -hmm. the more I realize that every single person has a really interesting story to tell. And and that everyone has trials, Mm -hmm. everyone has, you know, transitions, and, Mm -hmm. and we feel less alone when people just cut the crap and talk about what they're really going through. Yeah. So I thought, I wonder if I could get people to do that. Wow. So I just, that's, that's just. Wow. And so here we are. You're going to actually be the second to last, um, third to last episode of this season of 40. So I know, I know it's really, and, and for me, the thing that I wasn't counting on Mm -hmm. was, um, how enriching it was just going to be for me personally Mm -hmm. to just know that many people and hear people's, because I, I learn from everybody who comes and sits down across from me. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy when it, when I get someone who is in a different demographic than I am, whether it's age or religion or um, ethnicity or whatever, just Mm -hmm. so I can get as many different perspectives. It's surprisingly hard to get a lot of different perspectives (laughs) where I live and who I know. So, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, that, that makes it sound like a nice little bookend. Like mm-hmm. I was searching, I was searching and then I found <laughs> something and now it's great. Truth be told, mm-hmm. I'm still searching. Mm-hmm. Like I still feel like there's something more that I need to be doing and I don't right. know what it is. Right. And it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. I'm 41. I'm like, dude, I feel old. Oh, you look young. Well, thank you. Yeah. But, but I, I feel like I, like you were saying, like, you know, all these people who are, you know, a doctor and a high up in the military and blah, blah, mm-hmm. I, I times that by, you know, add another 13 years. And that's how I feel. I know people who are so deeply established into their careers and such amazing professionals. And, you know, if I were to go out and get a job right now, I'd be like entry level, you know? <laughs> I mean, I f- the, it's this weird dichotomy because mm-hmm. I feel like I have a lot to give. Mm-hmm. I can tell. I just don't know where to give mm-hmm. it and, and who would want it. 
honestly. Uh, who was it? I just listened to it. I, the latest uh, one that you posted with your really good friend. Lots Jen. of giggles. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Lots of giggles. <laughs> yeah. She is very right, by the way. Like, just talking to you. So, I'm all about energy, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm not lying to you. You really do have, like, a big, like, vibe around you. Mm. And it's warm. Like, mm. that's the cool thing about it. That's I'm how like, I feel about you, too. Well, that's why I was like, when I saw you, I was like, ah, I can see you being Melinda's, like, auntie. Like, yeah, that's why, <laughs> that's why you guys are family. Like, I see it. I see it. Because that was the first impression that I got from Melinda, too. Mm. And so, I, whatever you have to do, I can't wait. Like, oh, you you're so, so young. Like, you're so sweet. Okay, we have officially known each other for one hour. <laughs> and I already feel like... You're my little, I just want to <laughs> hug you and, and take care of you. It's really been an hour? Wow. I, I... Well, since we met. Okay, since we met. <laughs> since you walked in the front door, it's been about an hour. <laughs> no, like, I'm I'm excited for this podcast. I feel like it's going to really grow. Um, especially, like, I feel like, like I said, this is, like, a really good door opener for, like, especially the LDS community. Um, because like I said, you're very inclusive and I feel like you're listening, you're listening to a lot of voices that sure. are not being heard, you know? So, so I am curious about that growing up mm -hmm. non-LDS in a predominantly LDS culture. Mm -hmm. Um, were you made to feel very other? I honestly dreaded, I, I dread answering this to you because I'm, I'm going to be honest Do. and I'm going to be the most nicest person that I can be. Um, your story is your story. There's, so if it happened, it happened, and people should hear it. <laughs> okay. Um, honestly, it wasn't until I worked at Sequest, so until I met Malena, um, that I honestly met the most, like, like I'm okay with the LDS religion. Mm -hmm. I have a very rocky relationship with it, just based off what, like, based on when I was growing up. So I moved to Roy back way when, uh, I think 22, 2002, I think. And at that point, you really didn't see any people of color. Like, there's just none. And so going in, um, I like literally moving from Panama to Roy or to Layton and then Roy. Like, I remember driving here in Utah when I was eight and I was like, Mom, there's a mailbox, just like the cartoons. <laughs> because there, there's no mailboxes like that. Did you Panama. speak? Predominantly English growing Spanish. up? Spanish. Spanish, yeah. Okay. Uh, but my because my dad was in the military, I went to a military school. Okay. That's why. Um, I mean, I'm sure some people can pick out my accents, and then the way I twist my words is very like, yeah. You'll eventually hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, living in Roy, which I love. I'm a, I'm a Roy girl. Um, I, okay, so... There's been times when I would hang out with a group of girls and then they would find out I wasn't. And so the first thing that they want to do is take you to church, which is fine. Sure. And I've gone a couple of times. Great. Um, we are taught to do that. By yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> which is totally fine. Uh, and like, um, but after a while when they realized that I wasn't planning because I grew up Catholic, um, so I wasn't planning to convert. Uh, they just kind of stopped talking to me. Mm, yeah. <laughs> 
and they just kind of shunned me, which is fine. Um, no, it's not fine. <laughs> that is it's not a, fine. I think it's, I don't know. Maybe you, you may have turned out fine, but that's not a fine practice. That's not fine. And I recognize that now. I definitely recognize that now. Um, I remember one time my mom got invited for us to go camping and we didn't realize that it was like an Ellie. So we were like, oh, that's fine. Uh, uh, we go and I don't know why nobody sat near, near us. And that was okay. Mm. There was one couple who came and approached us and um, they helped us set up the camp. Because we, uh, I didn't grow up camping and everything. Um, that's like another subject. But n- not until we're older. Um, but when we weren't, we, uh, my mom, my dad was in Honduras at the time because he was in the military. So she took us alone and she didn't know how to set up everything or anything in her accent. My mom, my mom has a pretty heavy accent. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't know. Like I genuinely, I'm looking at you and I really don't know why nobody would approach us. Like I really don't know. Only a couple came and they helped us. And then after that, like we left. Um, there's just like little things here and there, but Malena was really the first one who introduced to me that not all LDS are like that. Oh, oh gosh. I guess the vein of mine, the one that really tainted it for me was right after Weber State University. I went and I worked at another job, another under another lab job. And um, I met one person there. Man, he scarred me completely till this day. I still think about it like, cringe when I think of him don't wish him anything bad he's very smart and I know he's happily living with his wife doing his thing um but he would just say some things where I I I just didn't understand why like I remember he'd be like oh yeah like your your religious views are inferior to ours like just (laughs) stupid things like stupid things I remember and I know I blocked a lot of it out because that's what I do I just try to move on from it but that being said after Melena and then after Cuba, after being with them, like they never pressured. Like we all prayed, which I love. So I should tell you that I have. I'm I'm struggling with the relig- like religions. Yeah, I believe yeah. in a God. I believe in a higher being. I don't necessarily believe in religions. Um, I like to pick and choose all the good things of all the religions right mm-hmm. now. Um, so that being said, when I was in Cuba, I, they were like, I, that was the first thing. Like when we all talked, I was like, Hey, I'm not LDS. If this is going to be a problem, let me know. Like I can, cause I still want to go to Cuba. I still sure, want to go sure. scuba diving. I was like, I can, I was ready to alter myself. Like I was like, I can stop swearing. I won't go drinking. Like I, 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 I was ready to make it comfortable. Cause like I said, I'm a people pleaser at mm-hmm. heart and mm-hmm. I don't want to make things uncomfortable. They were super fine. Like we went the first night and I wanted a drink. They were like, we're drinking with you in spirit. Like, <laughs> like they were just very like supportive. And like after that, I realized, you know what? Like it's like every religion, there's going to be the cockroaches in the church. I'm sorry. I'm going to call that. And that's that's going to insult people, but there are cockroaches. And then there's like the really down to earth, like the, like the real people like who are accepting and really follow the whole love everyone Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. so that's my relationship with uh, i'm 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 still i still um evolve with it i don't have any um ill will towards it anymore i feel like i'm much more accepting and um if someone comes and talks to me about it like i'm i don't have any 
how do I call it? I guess any icky feelings of it right. anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's really important for people both in and out of the church to hear, but um, particularly people who have grown up in the church to get an, a perspective and say like, oh, dang, didn't realize that's how I was making people feel, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, it can be a really um, insular community. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> without meaning to, mm -hmm. messages that are taught are, can often create a very... Um, us versus them mentality right. and um, and I and that's one of the things that I've had to grapple with and be like how can I be a part of that community without embracing that mentality because right. it drives me up the wall right. because to me if I if I truly believe in God and I believe that every person on this planet is one of God's children mm -hmm. then I should be just as willing to love any person as God's children, you yeah, know, you know, yeah. but, but there, I did grow up with almost, um, almost a fear of, of people outside mm -hmm. just because it felt so separate. Right. And, and I, it, it's really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate that that is a byproduct of the culture, but I do hope that that changes. I, also do. I hope that that changes. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, people who are only willing to associate with people within their own group, whether that be their own religious group or their own, yeah. any group, if you're only like, eh, yeah. you're missing out on a huge richness yes. of, of, experiences associations learning experiences it's it's so enriching if we just open our arms a little bit bigger right. and you know and then and then you guys is, I mean, i'm not trying to like group you but in go uh, for it all those group people's me. defense <laughs> and when i was younger i feel like when you're younger before you go to a mission you're so ready to like take them to church but i think after they go to the mission they're like if you want to talk about it we'll talk about right. it right you know and yeah. like yeah so i've i've learned to like you know like oh, okay i can see where they were coming from i think it's just like an important like kind of i don't know is it like a like an adulthood step to do a mission like what 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 is yes that? Yeah. um so men especially mm -hmm. are basically told that they are expected to serve a mission at age 18 or that's the earliest you can go is 18 and then you know if you decide to wait a few years and go, you can. Girls are not so much told they're expected to go, but are encouraged to go if they want to. Okay. Um, so, but then once you get to be a certain age, they're kind of like, yeah, don't go anymore. You're old. We want you to find a spouse. We want you <laughs> to move on with your life. And then when you're like married and old, they're like, come do it as an old couple. Oh, so, cute. <laughs> um, uh -huh. And so... I'm curious um, if Catholicism within your family is something mm -hmm. that is like, like, are your parents really devout or is it more just a cultural thing? Mm -hmm. So my dad, like, <laughs> I swear he says that he's being baptized by different religions because <laughs> he was in the military. He's just covering his bases. Yeah, like in the military, they're just like, because he believes in God, like all that, but They'll just be like, come with me. And he's like, okay. And then the next thing he's like in the river getting baptized with some type of religion. He's like, I guess I'm religion number three. So he, so my dad is just like, he believe he's kind of more like, I believe in God, but like, that's, that's it. Yeah. My mom was, uh, 
my mom has a complicated relationship with Catholic because we all know the story, the history of Catholics. And then right now, in even recent years, like all the child molesting and stuff. And so my mom is just like, I believe in God, but I don't, I'm not going to follow like blindly to a priest or, you know what I mean? Like, she's just very like hardcore on that. Mm -hmm. And so like me, my sister, my brother, we did like uh, Catholicism. We did like the whole steps. Mm -hmm. And then after that, (laughs) we kind of stopped. I actually ended up kind of going more back to um, being Catholic. And what I mean by being Catholic, have you ever heard of like 40 days of Lent? Mm -hmm. So... Me and my family, we go to church twice a year. If even that Easter now. Easter and Christmas. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> We're that family. And so before Ash Wednesday, um, the, the priest talked about how 40 days of Lent, people are always like, I'm going to give up sugar. I'm going to give up carbs. But that's for their benefit. That's for your dieting. You're using um, the, the guise of God yeah. right, to do something amazing. And then you tell everyone about it. And so, and it still stuck with me till day, to today. So, and then he was like, that's not really 40 days of Lent. 40 days of Lent is something you truly give up something that you love. You know, you give it up. Jesus Christ suffered for you for 40 days. Give up something you truly loved. And so, and I think this is going to hurt you too. Because I heard in your other podcast, I gave up music. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I gave up music. Nearly killed me. <laughs> I'm the type of person who still sings even when I'm hang- like angry. Like, I want to kill. I'm like, mm-hmm. like, I'm still singing in my head, you know? Oh, my goodness. And by I doing- don't think I've heard of anyone who chooses that. That's so, that would be really hard. And it was hard because I, and I also, you had to keep it, like, this is a covenant between you and God. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so mm-hmm. I couldn't tell anyone what I was suffering. And it's so weird. It's music. I know. For some people, some people are like, why are you something like, but for me, yeah, music is my rhythm, my soul and my life, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> I found a loop, by the way. <laughs> so I guess I didn't really um, sacrifice 40 days. Instead, I ended up joining the church choir. Okay. And so that's how I got my music. I was going to say, cause uh, particularly, I mean, I think in most um, religious uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Constructs or whatever. Religions, I'll just say. Mm-hmm. Um, music is very closely related to the divine. And so, like, to give that up feels like not something I would think of. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but then, you know, then you join the church choir. So I was like two weeks away from being, from doing the 40. Like, I was to the point, like, I, oh my gosh, I would like work out without music. Like wow. it was so, and I at that time I used to run, so I used to run like an hour and a half or so. I'd be so bored. Like I just like I I felt so empty without music. And it's so bizarre what music does to me, and I'm sure you would feel the same way. But after joining the church choir, I was fulfilled for a year or two, and then I left it because that requires you to go every week. <laughs> <laughs> And then you kind of start seeing things that you just don't like. That's when I started to really judge mm. uh, the Catholic religion and um, and just like religions in general. And so then I was like, I'm going to take a step back. And um, I've, I've, I think the only person that doesn't really quite know that I'm not like Catholic is my brother because he's 
I guess he's devout, but he never goes to church. It's so <laughs> weird. Oh my gosh. So I'm really curious if you felt like you're giving up music for Lent. Like, did it, did it accomplish what Lent is supposed to accomplish? Like, did you feel, um, you know, cause, okay, so we don't do Lent, but we mm-hmm. do fast every month. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll do a day where we don't eat or drink for 24 hours. Right, right. And the whole idea of that is to, um, submit our will mm-hmm. and to show some control and to show that we're willing to sacrifice. Right. So, um, that's supposed to kind of center your mind into, you know, like a appreciating sacrifice mm-hmm. and b you know, like getting your will in line with God. Did you feel like that happened at all? Like, did you have any kind of transcendent experience or did it just suck and then it was over? Hmm. That's a, so if I'm being completely honest, um, so I know some people do for 40 days, they do fasting. I know that. Not me. <laughs> um, that doesn't seem healthy. I don't, I don't, that's like, I think the nuns do it, but okay. I think they break, like. Oh, they, they do it during the day or something uh-huh, like that. Uh-huh, okay. uh-huh. Yeah, they yeah. eat like a piece of bread or something yeah, like yeah. that. Um, um, okay, so I, this one I kind of cringe. I don't know if I want to completely, because I know my sister might listen to this. Oh, okay. <laughs> So, oh, I'm You don't have to say anything you don't want to okay. say. Okay, there is another one that I had to, there was another, there was two things I was going to sacrifice. It was music, and um, um, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to be strong. I'm a grown woman. I'm a grown woman. I gave up masturbation. Oh, okay. That's yeah. why. That's yeah. why I was like, this one's a little big one. I think that... Um, masturbation is a topic that is it's important it's like i think that it's something that everybody has you know whether they choose to do it or not it's something that they think about yeah and and yet it's not anything that's ever come up on the podcast before yeah and that's what i wanted to ask you like like what is it okay and what it's whatever you're comfortable saying you know what it's okay put it on because i i like i said Okay. Uh, yeah. So by giving that up, it wasn't because I was trying to be righteous, you sure. know, or anything like that. It's something that I generally love to do. Yeah. It's um, to me, it's really relaxing. I don't do it a lot anymore. I used to be like not even an addict. It was just like a like a ritual. I think a lot of uh, I talk to a lot of women and well that aren't LDS. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, and that's like a pretty ritual thing. Uh, masturbation just makes you feel good. Um, it doesn't have to be an ugly thing. Um, it doesn't even have to be with porn because I think a lot of people um, associate it with sure. porn, you mm-hmm. know. Um, for me, it was just a very relaxing thing. I, I really enjoyed it. It makes you feel good. Um, but maybe I just felt that Jesus Christ suffered. Yeah. <laughs> I can give this up, yeah. you know. And it was rough. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize how much of an addict I was until that day. I, I, I wouldn't call it an addict. It's just like I didn't realize I depended on it. It was an it. integral part of mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. And so um, by giving that up, I really felt like it broke it. I maybe, maybe like just to be honest, maybe once or twice a month. But uh, I'll be honest, I feel like my sexual drive has just mm. has gone really down. Um so for me, it was uh, it was good because I, I I felt like I was giving something to God that He knew that uh, that I really love. And yeah. I gave two things up, 
and I suffered through it, except for music. Music, I broke. I didn't realize that was going to be so hard. I really didn't. Um, and but yeah. aside from the choir, like, mm-hmm. was it like you joined the choir and then you're like, I broke it, so you listen to other music? No. Okay, so I, I only really, quiet to cry. me, I don't feel, I don't know. That, to me, I feel like if you're saying I gave up secular music, mm-hmm. then that totally counts still, you know? You think so? Because, <laughs> I don't know, it seems, I could be wrong, it's just my own opinion, but if if you are saying I'm giving up everything outside of what the church would ask me to do, then you, I mean, I don't know. I guess the difference is because in my mind, I sometimes think that giving up things for Lent is like giving up something that would be bad for you. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think that your goal was probably, I'm just trying to show you that I'm willing to give up something I love. Yeah. And so that's the difference there. So I guess if you want to qualify it as having broken that, but uh, <laughs> but if but if you... But I, to me, I feel like anything that happens within the, the confines of the church, mm. like, wouldn't count. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. <laughs> I think we're probably just looking at it from different perspectives. Thanks. But, oh. but um, that is... So, I am curious. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like most people who practice Catholicism mm-hmm. do Lent with dedication like like really do that um i think it's half half like remember how i said there's a good one sure sure cockroaches yeah i think it's half half i really i couldn't really tell you because i when i was even when i was doing the choir i was kind of like the outsider already Mm -hmm. like you know i i I didn't really like go to all the activities and stuff because i just i don't know i i don't know what was my struggle with um I don't know. I really couldn't tell you. But I do know some people are hardcore and they fast. Yeah. And, um, and they pray a lot. But then there's some people that I meet and they're like, yeah, I'm Catholic. And they, they always prove and they make a point like when we pray, oh my gosh, I have to cross, you know, to like show a point. Like, I, I don't, like, that's not the point, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And like, I remember there was this one girl and I was in college and she was like, oh, you're Catholic. And I was like, yeah, she was like, I'm giving up sugar. And like, she just like made like a whole story. So everyone could just be like, oh no, like that's so sad. Right. You know? And it's just like, like after the, like the priest told me that, like, oh, I get, oh, which by the way, that was the last time I did 40 days of Lent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not strong enough to give but something up. But you did it though. I did it once. You that's did it. it. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, to pick something that personal and, like, that you knew was really going to be difficult for you shows a lot of integrity, you know? Because I think if I was doing Lent, I'd probably be like, I'm going to give up, um, you know, reality TV. No reality. (laughs) Other TV is fun, but no reality TV for me. You know, like, I picked something that would be mildly inconvenient, but uh, probably wouldn't show, you know. God, I love trash TV, though. <laughs> I love trash TV. Oh, oh, I, I don't succumb to, like, there. 
I think I'm finally getting old enough that mm-hmm. I'm like kids these days. You know, like <laughs> when I watch The Bachelor, I'm like, you guys are all flipping idiots. I can't handle you. I'm done. I'm done. But there are certain, you know, like reality TV. Like I could watch Great British Bake Off oh, for days yes. and days. It's like soothing to my soul. Yes. I love it so much. I anyway, agree. but I do want to go back because um, my original question about music was do you feel like it changed you at all and then you brought up the masturbation so then mm-hmm. I assume that you felt like that one had more of an impact for you yeah it, for me it was more because everyone kind of taints masturbation so when I did this I was like 19 oh okay so it's been a oh it's while. been a while okay it's been a long time <laughs> okay. so and and you know you just get influenced by a lot you yeah. know and like especially in church like that's like I remember going because you have to do like you have to do confessions and I was like Oh yeah, like also I masturbate, and then he's like, "Do ten, our fathers and five helmers, and they'll do it again." Like they just put yeah. it like in a very negative context, and I don't know what's the right answer to be honest with you. I think we do need more. Like, I know people are gonna hate this, but I do feel like there should be more um, sex ed education. Oh, I absolutely agree. I with really, you. yeah, I, I really do. I I don't think it should be something ashamed. Um, I think. Um, I got, like, I remember, so on the online dating app, I met this really nice Mormon guy. <laughs> and um, he's really young, too young. That's why it didn't work out, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up talking on the subject of porn. And he was like, he got addicted to it. And he's going through therapy. And like he, he it was like really traumatizing. Oh, yes, him. yes. He was traumatized. And yeah. I was like, like, there are, like, I was like, bro, like, it's... I, I don't think you should beat yourself up, you know. I I do feel like maybe that was too much porn, you know. Um, but there's got to... I've had so many people tell me, like, like their husband's watching porn or this. And, I, and I, I, I'm, I'm very conflicted. I'm very conflicted with it because uh, I feel like there is, like... You're going to hate me. Okay, so... I feel like there's like some somewhat good porn because there are like good porn sites where it's called like for example there's one called I touch myself okay okay and it's about all about empowering women Mm -hmm. and um they are hairy they Mm -hmm. are chunky they are happy and they're with their partner and it's soft and loving like you can just tell they really like each other and then there's the really right degrading yeah, kind of horrible yeah yeah horrible genres and so i i feel like i don't until i don't i can't i can tell you the answer i feel like there's got to be a better balance because yeah i agree i agree with the balance thing i feel that the the way that um my culture mm-hmm. taught me to view Myself, my body, my own sexuality Mm -hmm. was incredibly destructive. Mm. Um, I basically grew up with this notion that um, my body had this kind of evil power Mm -hmm. to seduce that I couldn't help. Mm -hmm. And so it was my job to police my body all the time to make sure that I was covering it sufficiently that I was not doing or saying things that could inadvertently be a turn on for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it really, it, um, I grew up, 
I've had a breast reduction. I grew up with mm-hmm. really large breasts. Okay. And so um, I got a lot of reaction mm-hmm. about that. And um, I would get comments from people that would make it seem as though I had somehow chosen that body to be. I mean, they weren't saying that, but oh. that was the feeling that it mm-hmm. gave me mm-hmm. is that like mm-hmm. somehow I was choosing to be ultra sexy or something like that. Okay. You know? <laughs> and and so I grew up wearing giant tent-like t-shirts oh. and mm-hmm. being really ashamed and feeling like, you know, because I had large breasts, my cleavage went up to like my neck and, you know, oh. and so if I showed any cleavage, suddenly I'm being inappropriate somehow. Right. Right. I had a lot of shame surrounding my right. body right. and, um... And again, there is so much within the LDS culture that that is like, particularly towards boys. Mm-hmm. Teenage boys have it drilled into their heads. We don't masturbate. It's mm-hmm. super bad. Mm-hmm. Do not do it. You're abusing this this power that you have, and mm-hmm. um, and it's you know, there's so much shame built into the way that we view our bodies. Right. And yet, then we are. And, and it's like, don't have sex, don't let yeah. anybody touch you, yeah. don't touch yourself. Yeah. It's almost like we're supposed to be in the shower with blinders on <laughs> and pretend that there are parts of our body that don't exist. Right. You know, like, yeah. like, don't think about it, don't talk about it, don't touch it, don't touch anybody else's, mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. Then, magically, we're supposed to get married, flip a switch, and have beautiful... <laughs> ennobling <laughs> sexual experiences with each other. Oh my gosh. Guys go into their wedding night thinking, you're my reward for being good all this time. Wow. And women are going into that relationship, that wedding night going, I hope I can be everything that he wants me to be. Oh wow, that's it's a lot of pressure. so much pressure. It's Ooh. so much... Um, and, you know, we don't... It, it's like any other thing if you've never done it or practiced it or Mm -hmm. there's no skill at all right right right. and so then you're fumbling around like idiots Mm -hmm. and you don't even have anyone to talk to to be like Mm -hmm. are we supposed to be this stupid (laughs) you know like (laughs) and i mean it's in some people's defense maybe that's a beautiful thing too well (laughs) i don't want to disregard that (laughs) i know that that there are you know a wide variety of sexual experiences, you know, just as there are a wide variety of people within the the LDS community. But for me, I can say that I don't think I was able to have sex with my husband for 15 years without feeling any shame at all. Okay. And, um, and it, it, you know, it was so, so damaging Mm -hmm. and so in my own parenting Mm -hmm. I've gone I'm like I'm going to experiment the opposite way and we talk about everything that's good we talk about everything and we talk about what's appropriate and what's normal Mm -hmm. and so you know I know that um my view on masturbation is different Mm -hmm. than a lot of people Mm -hmm. um I do follow I'm going to plug right here um Kristen Hodson who's a friend of mine she um she has on Instagram like a sex, I don't want to say positive, it's not sex positivity, it's mm-hmm. sexual health. Okay. Like a sexual health mm-hmm. um, uh, Instagram um, account. And she teaches particularly toward people in the same kind of mm-hmm. culture and mindset. Okay. And 
And it's so empowering to just be like, we have bodies that have sexual responses and that's okay, you know? (laughs) So, um, I, I do feel, I don't actually feel nervous about, you know, putting out there that I feel differently about it, but I do know that it could ruffle feathers. Yeah, that's what I was like, oh my God, I don't want to say anything that's going to offend anyone. But I think it's really important for people to acknowledge and recognize, even if they want to say, no, I don't agree with that. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. listeners are welcome to say, no, I I don't agree with either of you. Right. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But it is, I think it's so damaging to just keep it all in the dark and yeah and everyone's going through it on their own being like what's wrong with me why am I the weirdo what you know mm-hmm. so anyway I just I I find there to be a lot of um integrity that that would be like a thing that you would choose when you're but then it again <laughs> like I think it's funny that you haven't done it since. yeah I was like I was 19 <laughs> Have not done it again. <laughs> so, um, so before we end, I'm wondering, like, mm-hmm. if, if, like, what do you consider, you know, the predominant either issue or event in your life that you feel like really kind of has made you who you are? Oof. Or several. But yeah. I just, I don't want to miss something important. Okay. Ooh. I couldn't tell you. I think it's because I still feel like I'm growing. Um, That's great, though. Yeah. Because I, I get a lot of people who, when I ask them to do this, they say, but I'm still, in, like, I haven't figured anything out. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> like, I think it's great to say I'm in the middle of not knowing what I'm doing right, right. now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, um, uh, yeah, just uh, for me right now, I feel like, I'm still learning. Um, I'm in my spiritual route. Uh, I'm trying to have a good balance with me and God. And um, yeah, uh, just recognize when you're wrong. That's, yeah. That's one of the biggest things that I'm learning right now. Like, just be okay with that and don't destroy yourself and be humble about it because some people don't want to admit that they're wrong. And so once you are able to do that, I think you're you're going to blossom. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where I'm at. I'm hoping to blossom out of this experience. <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. Um, as you look ahead to the future, what are you seeing for yourself? Oh. Whether that's right away or mm-hmm. in the distance. For sure, be a PA. Um, I would love to go back to Panama and be a PA there. Mm. I would love to have a partner. Yeah. (laughs) And if it doesn't happen, it's okay. Like, I'm starting to accept it. There's a lot of women out there who are like, yeah, I'm I'm like single. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. So I'm starting to be more okay with that. Um, Oh, you're so young. There's lots of time. (laughs) Oh, thanks. But like... (laughs) But then, like, you think, like, what if I say, like, it's that now and then 10 years later happen and I'm like, yeah. oh. <laughs> I want to have kids, like, in a time that my parents are kind of young, you know, ish, sure. you know, sure. that they can enjoy their grandchildren. So, yeah. Do you want kids? I do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I do. And I, and, and, and it helps that my parents also want to. Yes, yes. Yeah. <sighs> but until then, I'm still searching. <laughs> anyone out there single she is super lovely so <laughs> hit me up i'll connect you 
just know that I have a big personality. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, well, I am so, so grateful that you took the time to come out here and that you're willing to be so open and forthcoming. I've enjoyed every second with you. you so This was fun. Yes. Thank thanks. you. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. Yay. bright spot. My bright spot today is a uh, Instagram account that I came across. It's called Kindness News. If you look it up, it's kindness.news on Instagram. And these are two brothers in New York who made it their mission to not only perpetrate kindness and good works, but to look for the stories of people being kind and then they just share it. It's really great. It adds a lot of um, happiness and heartwarming stuff to my life. You know, I just have it in my feed. I follow them and they share stuff like uh, videos of people giving supplies and food to the homeless or the most recent post was a, a picture of a man standing at a uh, grocery checkout line. And the person wrote, My mom and I went to Safeway to get some groceries and we ran into my dad buying flowers for her. Um, the next post is a video of a man who is in his hospital bed getting married. Um, the whole thing promotes wholesomeness, kindness, generosity, and celebrating those who dedicate their lives to happiness and kindness. I love it. I want to promote it. Kindness News. I'm sure you'll find it uh, if you look for it. Thanks, Mike and Nick from Kindness News. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if this is goodbye, or at least goodbye for a while. I really don't know. What I do know is everything's going to be okay. I've spent so much of my time being afraid of what happens when this illness catches up with my family. Uh, I'm not so much afraid for my children. I'm mostly afraid for myself. I have no idea how COVID-19 might interact with my Lyme-diseased body. But I feel peaceful. I feel okay. I feel like it's all going to work out the way it is supposed to. Thank you so much for listening, especially to those of you who have listened to every single episode. It means so much to me that you would invest that much of your time for this project that I have just been trundling along, trying to put out into the world. I hope that the guests on this show have opened your eyes, opened your heart, opened your mind, and help you, helped you realize that we are made so differently and have such vastly different experiences, but at heart, we're all pretty much the same. And I hope that that affects the way that you treat people and think about people. Because everyone has a light inside if they're willing to let it shine. I love ya.
be a light and say what is truth.